Bonananian. I know a guy. Everybody in New Jersey knows a guy. That's that's the thing. You know a guy. That's the way it works. Here we look at The Sopranos as home movies. So, um, but anyway. Side deals, secret promises. He's always got an agenda. A thousand dollar car that ain't worth nothing. The car doctor in park. An engine doesn't know whether it's in park or in, in, in gear. It's got to rev up. Oh, you know everything, don't you? Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. It's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your phone calls if you're new to the Car Doctor. And, uh, Mr. Ray, I understand we're, we're starting another new affiliate this week. Yes, sir. We're uh, out in um, Riverhead, Long Island. Really? Uh, yes. what, what are you guys doing? Are you out there 24-7 pedaling this thing? Like uh, This is like an affiliate a week the last month well, or so. Well, we're trying to. We, we found what works best is we don't tell them about you. Well, that's the best part. I can see that. It's working. Whatever you're doing, keep going, baby, because we're growing. I like it. Um, we're, out, we're out in uh, eastern Long Island now? Uh, uh, c- central eastern Long Island, Central eastern yes. Long Island, WRCN. Yes, sir. So hello to everybody out there on WRCN land and uh, Long Island News Radio. Um, but um, and give if, us a call. Give us a call. You know, you newbies out there, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The way it works is you can give us a call anytime, day or night. You can catch the show live. We're here Saturday afternoons, two to four p.m. Eastern time. But if you can't make it around that time, or you you know you, you get up at midnight and go, gee, I wonder what's wrong with my whatever. Um, call eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Leave a message. Executive producer, chief cook and head bottle washer, no phony, not a baloney. Tom Ray will give you a call and put you in the queue for the next live broadcast the following Saturday. So uh, that's the way it works. But that's what this radio show is about. You got a car problem, a car question, new car, old car, and when I say old, I, you know, listen, it, it could be a whatever, a nineteen thirty nine Ford, whatever you got, doesn't matter. Give us a call. We'll fix it. We'll tell you what's going on. Um, that's what this radio show is and always has been about. That's um, that's simple. Cardoctorshow.com is the website, and you can uh, also stream us there. You can also hook out to uh, the podcasting site vis-a-vis uh, Spreaker and uh, tune into the Car Doctor that way and uh, download the show. And please, if you are taking the Car Doctor on podcast, click subscribe if you have the ability to on your device and uh, let them know that you're subscribing to the Car Doctor because you want to get your car fixed and uh, learn more about it. And that's that's really all this radio show is. I fixed the 2008 Expedition, and I think I've mentioned this the last two weeks. I've been working on this car for two weeks now, and everybody's going to, you know, for those that say, ah, what's the matter, you couldn't fix it that fast? No, I didn't want to spend the money that fast. Had a 2008 Ford Expedition stagger in the door two weeks ago with the customer complaint about a low brake pedal. It was mush. It, you'd step on the pedal, and it would go down about three-quarters of the way and then finally catch and it wouldn't pump up. It was just a terrible, terrible brake pedal. 46,000-mile, 10-year-old vehicle, 2008, right? So went through the basics, verified the condition. Yep, low, low, crummy brake pedal, low, crummy brake pedal, okay? And did a visual, pulled all the wheels down. God, I, I took those 18-inch rims down so many times I can... It was like doing CrossFit on, at the shop, which is why I started CrossFit in the first place, I think. Um and it needed brakes. The rear brakes were less than two millimeters. The right front brake, the wheel wouldn't 
engage it, it the right front brake the brake pad looked fairly new the left front brake was down to about three or four millimeters it was time there was clearly something going on with the right front and i said gee could that be contributing to the low brake pedal the weird thing is the car didn't pull and I would have expected that. I would have expected it to have gone to the left the way the brake was working on the left side, but it did not. So spoke to the customer, told them, here's what we've got to do. Here's, here's the starting point. There's no sense in having a conversation any further until we get, you know, good working calipers, correct brake pads or good brake pads in there. And let's go through and do the basics. Ended up doing, you know, we looked at why wasn't the right front working, the, the, the issue with the right front brake. And it turned out that there is, you know, it's a rubber brake hose. It comes down from the frame. It connects to the steel line where it comes off the, uh, the rest of the system. And the metal bracket that goes around the rubber brake line had rusted. And as it rusted, it slowly squeezed the brake hose to the point that it shut off the fluid. That's how much this car sits. And, I, you know, I've got to say, in 43 years of repairing cars, I don't think I've seen that one. All right. It actually shut the line off. That I pulled the line off the car. I couldn't blow through. I took a blowgun. I couldn't push air through it with a blowgun. That right front hose was crimped, solid, closed. Did two hoses. I, you know, it's ten years old. All right, and the, I didn't care what the left side looked like. If it's if it's more than three years old, I'm looking for system of quality and balance. So what I do to the left, I do to the right when it comes to brakes. And I did two hoses. I did two calipers because the right front caliper was stuck. I could compress the left front like ice cream. The right front put everything in there, every brake pad spreader we had in the shop, the C-clamp, everything. Just couldn't get that right front caliper to move to save its life. So here we go, right? Pads, rotors all the way around. Two hoses, two calipers. Bled the system. Got this really crummy green-looking it looked like slime from those those kids' TV shows. It was just really ugly uh, in terms of color. This brake fluid got in the truck, and boy, I had the I had a lousy brake pedal. It just didn't, you know, it got a little better, but nah, nothing I would want to stand in front of and hope the car would stop. So I had to stop and think for a minute, and I turned into, you know, there's other things going on in the shop. We're we're, we're generally a busy house, and you know, a couple of days later, I got back to it and. Started going through, and I started on the next endeavor, and that was I wanted to block off the master cylinder. Sometimes you want to isolate things. You want to isolate components. And I found out in the time period since I've done this last that none of the fittings I had in my little master cylinder block-off kit would work because none of them were the right size. It was a 10 by 10 and a 12 by 10 thread pitch, and I needed to find fittings. Everybody that says you can find them at the local hardware store, auto supply house, or online, nah, I don't think so. Went everywhere, talked to everyone, went to the hydraulic fitting place, went to the home hardware, went to home hardware, the store in town, went went everywhere. Nope, nothing of that thread pitch, nothing of that size, no way to get a brass plug, nothing. You're done. So I finally did find them online, thank God for Amazon, and they're basically brake fittings that I will have to eventually, and I will, I'll get a slow day if that ever happens, take a piece of line, I'll, I'll make a flare, I'll put an end in it, and then I'll peen it over and I'll solder it shut, and that'll be my test fitting. I'll just make them. Um, so if you're out there and you're a tool manufacturer, making making brake component shutoff fitting plugs to uh, isolate, boy, that would be a great idea. I bet you you could sell a lot of those, and you know it would just be so much easier. 
So I said, you know, let me take a look at the master cylinder as a, you know, maybe it's leaking out the back. Maybe there's something, maybe there's something else here that'll give me a reason to condemn the master. Pulled the master out of the booster and looked at the back of it. And there was a little bit of schmutz back there, technical term schmutz. It's something we describe here in New Jersey and, and you know, when, when we're talking about caca. And uh, it, 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 I looked at the master and I said, gee, can I replace this? And I took the master, turned it upside down, and I poured all the brake fluid out of it. And it kind of came out really still ugly, green, schmutzy, sludge, schmegma, which is another industry term. So I said, you know, here's this 10-year-old vehicle. It's never had a brake fluid flush, which, you know, if you're not flushing your brake fluid, you better really pay attention to this story. And I said, let's look at this. I'm down to I'm either an ABS control unit or a master cylinder. There's nothing else left. All right. I looked the vehicle over left, right, and sideways, looking for the weird thing, looking for the brake line that's that's obliterated, that I can't see, that I can't bleed, that somehow, as a result of an accident, maybe it's twisted in the wrong direction, or just anything. You're looking for the oddball thing. We pulled the wheels back off. Again, we took the 18-inch tires back off the car and slowly applied the brake while one guy watched and you know looked to see, did the pistons come out? Did the caliper look like it was squeezing the rotor in, in, in correct proportion? And everything there checked out. Well, it's either a master or an ABS control unit, hydraulic control unit, they call it. Let's look at this. An ABS hydraulic control unit, anybody want to guess how much one of those are? Well, if you look online, they'll tell you five, $600. Of course, they're not telling you the right price because they have no clue what it's cost. An ABS hydraulic control unit for a 2008 Ford Expedition with uh, RSC, Restraint Stability Control, I believe is the, is the moniker for that is just a little over 1500 bucks. So now you're playing with, is it the $1,500 ABS controller or the master? And then you realize the green schmegma that you took out of the master cylinder is going to make you, you're really going to put a $1,500 ABS controller in with a master cylinder that's got schmegma in it and the master cylinder is only 150 bucks. Aren't you going to change them both anyway? Let's put a master in it. Put a master in it. Now I had nice clean fluid everywhere and bled everything out, went through the anti-lock brake, automatic bleed, which you have to use a scan tool for. And sure enough, I still had a lousy brake pedal. Got to put an ABS hydraulic control unit in it. That's the only thing left. I'll tell you what, I'm going to pull over and take a pause and keep you in suspense because installing the ABS control unit is not a simple two-minute end to this story. So stick around and we'll finish it up when I get back. I'm running Anning the Car Doctor. We return right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron Anning, the car doctor. Phone number is 855-560-9900. We were talking about the um, uh, the expedition real quick, and then I'll finish it up. We'll get over to Jason in Pennsylvania uh, right away after that. Uh, so we were down to the point where I needed an ABS hydraulic control unit, all $1,500 worth. Ordered it up, took the left front fender well out, took the ABS hydraulic control unit out, swapped it over. Now came the hard part, as if this wasn't hard enough. Now I had to program or tell the rest of the vehicle, hey, I just took this computer out and I put this new computer in. You ever work with hexadecimal code? You ever see the movie The Martian, all right, where he talks about hexadecimals and, you know, the, the two digits represent a letter in the alphabet and so on and so forth? In 2008, you have to use hexadecimal code to code the ABS controller. And you're standing there. I've got seven lines of code that I have to manually enter vis-a-vis -vis the scan tool. I'm using a Ford IDS, the Ford factory-level tool. You know, if you screw up one digit, 
You've got to go back and look. It'll tell you, hey, you made a mistake. Now you've got to go back and look through seven lines of code, uh, you know, 40-some-odd entries per line, to go and find where this is. Very tedious. Fortunately, I got through it. I, I turned off the radio. I stopped taking phone calls. We just sat there and no distractions. And 15 minutes later, it was coded. In the truck, bled it out, bled it, bled it three times. A manual bleed using the scan tool because you have to purge the air out of the ABS controller. And then did another manual bleed. And I'm happy to tell you that that thing's got the best brake pedal you ever saw in its life. That thing will stop on a dime, give you a nine and a half cents change. And the moral and the point to this is not that, hey, I fixed another car. I mean, geez, I hope that happens every week. But the point becomes, how could it have been prevented? A, normal brake fluid flushes. Car never had a brake fluid flush in 10 years. So, you know, you can think you're getting away with it, but the cars are getting more susceptible to problems like this. And dirty brake fluid really does create issues, especially on vehicles with ABS and some of the traction control and stability control systems. Number two... You know, it's it's about the relationship. Now, the customer's been coming in for about a year. They 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 know what we do. They know who we are. Are they going to be happy with a three thousand or almost thirty five hundred dollar repair bill all set all in? Probably not. But not a lot of choice here in the matter. The ABS controller was the big ticket item, and look at the price of it fifteen hundred bucks in one fell swoop. And you can see that with the amount of electronics being added to a car, it's not getting any easier and it's not getting any cheaper. Makes you think maybe that 72 Plymouth is the way to go, but, you know, then again, where are you going to find parts at all? That's a whole other conversation. So be aware of who your mechanic is. Be aware of your maintenance. Be aware of what your vehicle has. And think a little outside the box. That's the whole point here. You may want to do a little bit more maintenance than you're normally thinking, especially if the car sits or under such conditions and, you know, you plan on keeping it. If you're leasing that car, two and a half, three years, six oil changes down the road. But other than that, you've still got to maintain it, or it's going to come back to bite you and the mechanic working on it. Hello and welcome, as if you didn't know that. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. That's the open. I just uh, I realized that's the first time I've gone over like that. But uh, today's a day of firsts anyway. Uh, Mr. Ray, do you know what um, the big moment of today is, by the way? It's the day Tony actually dropped the pass here in the studio? Uh, yeah, well, that was beside the point. Oh. You know, Odell missed the water bottle when I gave it to him. Well, tomorrow is our anniversary. Tomorrow is our anniversary, five years. Yes. Five years self-syndication, 27 years broadcasting radio. <clears throat> and the way we got that on the air, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. for, for, you know, and it's, it's good because I, I almost gave you, I should probably do that. I still have the very first clip when I first started in 1991. Oh, please don't. Oh, yeah. It's 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 hidden away, because after I'm dead for two years, it's going to be like that scene in Back to the Future. This guy's going to appear from Western Union and go, here's the file. Now you can play it. He's gone. So it's it's pretty bad. But, um, yeah, happy anniversary, boys. Good job getting us here. So now let's kick the garage doors open. And uh, let's go over to Jason in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. Jason, you're on with the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, how are you doing? All right. By, by the way, Jason, can I just ask you, I, I want to see, Tony doesn't believe it. I, I know, do you know, you must, you live there. Do you know why Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania is so famous? Um, Joe Namath is one. Joe Namath is one. Uh, um, yep. uh, uh, Steel was big at one time. And right. also, there's a, ep or there's a show that used to be called, uh, I believe is Mr. Belvedere. 
It was based in Beaver Falls. Was it really? That so, I didn't that I didn't know, but I knew the part about Joe Willie. So Yeah, that that's all I got. That's all I know. Well that's listen, you knew more than me. Does does Joe Namath ever come back to town and visit? Um, you know what, now and then, uh we there's a, a field named after him and he might make uh, appearances, but just kind of like keep it on the uh, down low, so right. nobody kind of rushes him. But right. yeah, you know, it's a it's a small little small little city. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but that's cool. All right, sir. What can I do for you? Well, I uh, I couldn't agree with you more about uh, keeping up with maintenance for your vehicles. I think that's essential. No matter what it is, you always have to constantly look after them, change fluids, uh, make sure everything's working tip top shape because you don't want to be going down freeway 70 miles per hour and all of a sudden your hood flies off or a wheel falls off because you didn't check it or, or whatever it may be and uh but you do all this this maintenance on your vehicles and the bad thing is they rust and corrode and they fall out from underneath you so um i've been for years cleaning underneath my vehicles twice a week in the wintertime to get rid of all the salt because I live in a salt state. Yeah. Um, I've poured 15. I've done chassis saver. And it doesn't, no matter what you use, it just seems like you can't get rid of that cancer until the vehicle just falls apart from underneath you. Um, anything that you suggest that could really save the vehicle other than washing it constantly and, and using, uh, and that's the other thing in the summertime as well, uh, grinding and sandblasting and painting the, the frame or whatever product that happens to rust and getting it all ready for winter again. Anything else? Yeah, I've got. I've actually got two suggestions, Jason, but I'm going to unfortunately make you sit through one more break. Is that okay? Just uh, sit no, tight. No, that's fine. That's okay, fine. cool. When I, when I sit tight, when I come back, we'll talk about it. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. We'll return right after this. Ron's number handy, 855-560-9900, for when you really need advice on your car. Here's Ron. Jason, you're still there, sir. Jason? Yep. Yo, yo, Jason. Um, so when we took the pause, we were talking about corrosion in, in, in general, on vehicles in general. And uh, two of the ideas that I always like to go by is, one is, you ever hear of a product called fluid film? No, I have not. Okay. Fluid film is something I've been using on the plow truck, oh, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years. It's a spray-on. Just go Google search the name. You'll find it on Amazon. It's not cheap, but it actually provides it's a spray-on layer of protection that, you know, obviously you want to get the vehicle clean and then spray it on. It will help slow down and prevent corrosion. It's got a cling factor to it, so it doesn't necessarily just wash off right away. Uh, you know, once you go through bad weather, it'll it'll stick around a couple of runs, and you apply some fluid film on on a repeated basis. You should see some pretty good protection out of it. And uh, you know, the second is just what you're doing, just washing it off, but just being sure that if you're going through a car wash, ask the car wash how do they reclaim their water and to what level and. You know, how do they filter it? Because I have seen cases where some of the local car washes will recycle their water, but they won't reclaim it and clean it properly. So you're spraying salty 
chemical-filled water back onto the area that you're cleaning, and it creates problems later on down the road. You're, you know, you're, you're using dirty water in a sense. But fluid film is an absolute, it's, it's, it, it absolutely works well, very well. Um, matter of fact, the littlest Anania is out your way out in Pittsburgh, and her 2014 escape when it comes home for service and oil changes, I fluid filmed that car for the past three years, and it has nary a drop of rust on it. And I imagine Pittsburgh is probably just as bad as Beaver Falls, PA, in terms of chemical oh, yeah. what they put on the road. So, um, you know, you know, the only caution I've got with fluid film is obviously it's got to be clean underneath, so you're not sealing, you know, schmutz against the against the vehicle under the film, so it gets a chance to work. That's one. Two, it, it's really best up in the air. You know, so you can, you know, get some oh, decent... Put on a lift. Yeah, you kind of want it on a lift. And you may okay. want to wear some kind of a mask. There are some warnings all over the can, you know, but I haven't I haven't grown three heads yet or, you know, my arm hasn't fallen off. It's just, uh, it's just, it's just not a great chemical that you want to breathe it in. You want to be careful how okay. you handle it. So, but fluid now, film... Now, is this, uh, before applying it... Um go down to direct metal, kind of get rid of all the paint and everything? Does no, it have to no, be on no, direct metal or no? No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. Uh, yeah, not at all. We, uh, you know, and, and, you know, if you talk to talk to some guys that you might see that snowplow and ask them, have they heard of it, and, you know, get their reaction to it, because I, uh, that's how I learned about it. Um, I learned about it from somebody I was standing in line at a parts house a, a while back, really probably 15 years or so ago. And I noticed he had a couple of cans out. He was buying it off the shelf. And, I, you know, I hadn't seen it before. And I said, gee, what's that? And he started explaining it to me. And after researching it, fluid film is kind of interesting. It's a, it's a spray-on substance. I can't tell you what it is, but it does do a pretty good job of, of, of protecting. And um, I have seen it. I have purchased it myself on Amazon. So if locally nobody has it, you can, uh, you can do it that way. You might want to check at O'Reilly Auto Parts and see if they have it. Um, I have seen it also there online, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you'll see it's in a gray and a red can. The can has red print. It's also available. I've seen it in brush-on, so if you don't want to do the spray, you can, you know, buy it and, you know, do a, do a paintbrush and brush it on, and uh, stuff works well. It really does. All right, awesome. Well, the only uh, the only other solution I can think of is move to Arizona. And well, think, you know, there is there would probably be cheaper. There, there is that, and there are probably some advantages to Arizona because you won't see snow anymore. Of course, you know, then yeah. we've got to have air conditioning conversations because you know, last last year, I know someone that moved to Arizona and they called us up one day and she was telling us how it was a cool day there. It was 117 degrees in the shade. So, I, you know, it's <laughs> um, Arizona oh, has wow. its issues too. Uh, you know, be grateful for the change in season. After a while, I think the heat is too much. You know, you, you just can't, you just can't deal with it. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I enjoy the snow, but not the salt. Besides that, if you moved to Arizona, you wouldn't get to see Joe Namath when he comes back. That's true. Very, very seldom do I see him, but every now and then you right. get a glimpse of him. So. Well, listen, if you do bump into Joe, you tell him the car doctor says hello, and we'd love to talk to him on air one day. How about that, Tone? Yeah, Tony gives me the thumbs up, even though he's a Giants fan. We'd still like to talk to Joe Willie Namath, even though this is a car show. This is uh, how many chances do you get to touch a guy like that? So Exactly. Will do. Will do. All right, Jason. Listen, thank you for your time, sir. You have a good rest of the weekend. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Let's get on over and talk to Mick in Oregon, who's a return call, 98 Jeep Cherokee. Mick, how are we doing with this uh, this Cherokee? Did you, ever hey. get, did you get anywhere with any of it? Hey, Ron. Uh, no, I I haven't. Um but I guess I guess where I'm at is is I've tested the 
on the uh, PCM, the C1 and C2 connectors. I'm getting power and I'm getting ground. Right. But on on the five uh, volt power supply, the the, the 17 and 31, um, I'm only getting a volt and a half. And I've I've gone through and I've unplugged each sensor one by one, and I can never get any change in in my volt reading over you know one at one and a half. <clears throat> um, the wiring harness seems to be okay. It hasn't been rubbing anywhere. I'm just kind of at a loss. So w- w- the 5-volt power supply, if I remember right, the 5-volt power supply is the feed to those five sensors, those four or five sensors we talked about. That 5-volt power supply comes out of the PCM, does it not? Um, well, you, you have to unplug the connector to, to test for your 5 volts. Where does the 5 volts come from, though? The 5 volts has to come from the PCM, correct? I just want to make sure you're reading the instructions right or the instructions wrong, and I've seen that, too. All right. Yeah, yeah, because I, I could be doing something wrong. Right, that's what I'm wondering. All right? So it's it's because the premise of it, the premise of the conversation was that if one of the four or five sensors, a crank cam, um, O2, and it was a TPS, right? Throttle position sensor? Yeah, it, right. yeah throttle, map. Right, map uh, was in there. Yep. If if, yeah. if one of those was shorted, it would pull the 5-volt signal down low. But you're saying you're not getting a 5-volt signal. So I want to know where does that 5-volt signal originate from? That 5-volt signal has to come from somewhere. So maybe you're getting confused because it's it's... That five volt, the five volt supply has to come out of the PCM. Okay. So if you're testing it with the PCM unplugged, you're not going to see five volts. That's my point. So either either you misread the instructions or I'm, I'm go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I must have because I I've unplugged because uh, yeah, I unplugged the the C1 connector and tested the the. Uh, the wiring harness side of it. Let me let me tell you how much you have to read and then reread and read into the instructions. Um, I'm programming an ABS controller. I don't know if you heard the open. I'm programming an ABS controller yesterday on this 2008 Expedition, $1,500 part. I have to plug in hexadecimal code. Remember the movie The Martian with Matt Damon? And they talked about yeah. hexadecimal code. I have to program it using hexadecimals, okay? And okay. as I'm programming it, the first step it said was, turn the key off. I turn the key off. Then we go through two more steps, and then we get to the hexadecimal um, key entry, and I program in, and then it says, turn key off again. And I went, wait a minute, it never told me to turn the key back on. They missed a step in the procedure. I had to go back and start all over again, because it, it never got entered. And, okay. y- you know, just because it's written doesn't mean it's right. I still have to question everything I see in front of me. And until I've done it at least once, I never, I never believe anything to be correct, you know. Okay. Okay. So just, just, just be aware of that. All right. So reread okay. those instructions and see where they're trying to get you to go. What, what the premise of that paperwork that I emailed you, along with the wiring diagram, was you're looking for. You've got three wires at all three of those sensors. You're going to have a ground. You're going to have a signal return. You're going to have a five volt feed. So, uh-huh. so ground is ground. Period. Ground has to always stay ground. 5-volt feed is the 5-volt signal coming in. The return 
or the sensor reference or the sensor voltage, however they refer to it, is going to be the signal back from that sensor, whatever it is, depending upon its current state. Throttle position sensor starts with a low voltage and then sweeps or opens up to a higher voltage. Make sense? Yes. And, and then they're all going to do the same thing. So you're looking to see if one of those sensors is shorted, it will pull down that 5-volt reference or sensor return line signal because, I'm sorry, the reference line because they all share a common 5-volt feed. Right, okay. So that's what the premise of what they're trying to do there is. Do this. Unplug all four of those sensors or all five of those sensors with the computer plugged yeah. in and start just checking those individual wires. Do you have 5 volts to each sensor? Let's start the war there. Okay. All right? And then, then read the instructions again and see if you get it. If you don't, I'm here. Call me next week. Okay, thanks, Ron. You're welcome, kiddo. Keep going. All right? Okay. I, all right. Good Bye. deal. Yes, sir. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. One step at a time, we're going to fix every broken car. We'll return right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor here. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Keep in mind that number is 24-7. You can call the car doctor anytime, day or night. 855-560-9900. Oh, I'm sorry. 855-560. What did I say? 855-560-9900. You know, I give that out in my sleep. I can't understand why I would get it wrong when I absolutely needed to get it right. Um, 855-560-9900. That's right. That's the number. Yes. Okay. Tony's looking at me like I got three heads. Well, that's okay. It's a late day, Tony. Um, but anyway, that's 24-7. Call, leave a message, or go to cardoctorshow.com, however you want to find us. Uh, a quick follow-up. You know, we've been following Tesla, thanks to uh, Eddie Goitis, Goitis Capital out there in New York. And Eddie just keeps sending me these great articles on Tesla. Either he's got it in for him, or um, he just wants to be on the show, which we're glad to have him, because he's got a lot of knowledge in that head, especially when it comes to stuff like this. Um, Eddie starts out, hey, Ron, another insightful article this week on production problems, quality control issues, and lack of experienced workers at Tesla. This is on top of a truly non-innovative tech auto company that, number one, buys their battery. Tesla buys their battery technology from Panasonic? Really? Wow. It says it here. I mean, it can't be a lie, right? Um, has over $100 billion in debt. We knew that. Um, burns over. Hey, Tony, how much money do you think Tesla goes through in a quarter? Too much. Yeah. A billion dollars in cash per quarter in expenses. Must be nice. Yeah, well, you know, it's he's going to run out of money. Guess, you know, I, I'd like to be there when he gets on the unemployment line. Can I just get 100 grand? Well, that's all we need. Tom, I, Tom, no, 200 grand. 100 grand for me and 100 grand for Tom. What did I, what do I get? Okay. We'll, okay. We'll, we'll buy you dinner. Okay. That's, that's, that's sporting of you. The more cars they sell, the higher their cash burn. Their gross margins in the auto business. See, Eddie's looking at this like a businessman. He's not looking at this like a car person. Their gross margins in the auto business, except tax credits, are dropping, not going up. As an auto manufacturer, you want economy of scale, which Tesla doesn't have. They've confirmed in their latest earnings call that their home Powerwall unit isn't ec economic in almost all circumstances with the exception of peak power usage in California. In addition, solar cities are accruing more than $1 billion in debt per year to their parent Tesla on top of the billions in debt. And this brings up a good point that I just want to touch on. I've received a couple of emails and comments this week. Nobody seems to be answering the question that when we have all these electric cars, the Teslas and the whatevers, and we're charging them, that electricity just doesn't fall out of the wall. It has to come from somewhere, right? It's got to get generated somehow. 
So, you know, what's that going to do to the power grid of the country, and how are we going to be able to support that, both from the perspective of having enough electrons to flow to charge the batteries and enough electricity, and then what's going to make the electricity to generate the power for the electric cars? Coal plants? That's the last thing I read. I don't know if that's still true, but Eddie Goitis, Goitis Capital, keep them coming. 855-560-9900. Let's pull over and take a pause. I'm Ron Anini, The Car Doctor. I'll return to wrap it up right after this. Welcome back. Ron Anini, The Car Doctor, kind of winding things down this hour. Thanks for sticking around. I know you've got a lot of choices and a lot of places to be. I'm glad to be here with you. A uh, quick letter from another Hawaii listener here, Ron. Retired on the island of Hawaii, commonly referred to as the Big Island, which is expanding as the lava flows the last couple of years. I'm 72 years young. This is from Bob Smith. I'm 72 years young, grew up in Southern California. I bet you he's got some good stories. No better place in the age of the American muscle car. I still love him. Presently, I own two Toyota trucks. Didn't buy my first Toyota or foreign car till 1996. All I've owned since, though, including Toyota's Lexus. Wanted to lend my two cents regarding batteries and tires. Well, this was the tire conversation and the battery conversation, I think, two weeks ago. As a member of the Southern California Auto Club for three decades, I found that the last few years, their batteries are not what they once were. You know, and, and I've said this about AAA, right? That it, it seems like the AAA batteries, and, and the way I've heard it is that they're purchasing not old stock, but the batteries that perhaps a shop like mine may not sell that quickly and they get rotated out, they're buying the rotated batteries that aren't maybe, you know, they're not they're not old, old, but they're not brand new. They might be six months old, but they're still within the manufacturer's window of what they consider to be a good battery. Um, and I'm seeing those batteries fail sooner. You're not getting your, you know, your full life cycle out of them. The last 18 months, I've purchased two truck and one tractor batteries, Bob continues, from, wait for it, Walmart. <laughs> the first one, I had no choice. The three nearby auto stores were out of stock. And I had to cut grass. Since that purchase, I now have two Walmart truck batteries performing well with warranties, made in America, and at a better price than the auto stores. Boy, that Walmart, it's everywhere. I was impressed at the checkout, not only punching the date code, but checking the voltage and a core refund. Who knew, Bob says. Must be many as the stock of batteries in the store is many when in, with an iPad-like computer to find the right one. The other thing I heard you recently talk about were tires. I discovered Falcon tires about 12 years ago. I've lost track of how many sets I've owned. Um, Bob, I want to point out you're saying you've lost track of how many sets you've owned. Does that mean you burned through them quickly? I just I, I saw that and I wondered. At least 10, running them on trunges for the street, t- street much of the time with a load, never a problem. Good mileage, of course, properly maintained. Thank you in Hawaiian. Mahalo for your show. When you get to the Big Island, look me and my wife up or make reservations. We'll do a barbecue and introduce you to a locally brewed Hawaiian beer, Sun and Moon Orchard Sweet. Bob Smith, aloha to you. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor reminding each and every one of you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.